This podcast is not random, but my thoughts are. Welcome back to yet another episode of the Terry Summers Podcast. You may want to buckle up your seatbelt just so that you don't get jerked around today. Uh, Not because this episode is going to be anything particularly jarring, um, but I do think that it could bop around a lot. Today, I am just doing kind of a mind dump. I talked to my friend Brian Cole, who is sort of a um, a producer of sorts, along with me uh, on the podcast, and I said, this is what I want to do, and we, um, I try to bounce stuff off of him. I mean, he's hip that way and just had, he's a big podcast listener, but I just really wanted to dump some things and none of them necessarily are really connected. So it's just, uh, it's just an episode about random thoughts. So if my randomness throws you to and fro, just sort of take an emotional listeners buckle up right now to make sure that that doesn't happen. I, first of all, um, I've just been in the tailwind of a lot of interesting um, stuff. And I think that when that happens, like I know that um, you might uh, tether this together with the episode a couple weeks ago where I was sharing about the memorial services and celebrations of life uh, that I um, uh, participated in, shared in. And I think that that, even though I tend to roll with things really well, um, if I do say so myself, I'm, I'm, I'm on the solid side of that coin. Probably a lot has to do with my faith in that regard, but I know that things do affect you, uh, or if I should, I should say me, they affect me and I'm not always focused on or perhaps even tuned into how they are affecting me. I can think I can say that honestly. I think some of my behaviors and coping mechanisms would testify to the fact that um, I have a pretty well-worn path uh, in the in the realm of how I hand, uh, not handle but um, deal I guess with things that sometimes I'm not even sure that I I'm conscious of the weight of something on me or um, what mark it might be leaving or how it has affected me. So it's just been an interesting handful of weeks, very full in a lot of interesting ways. But I think that that has had um, its effect on me by kicking up dust, so to speak, proverbial, and not in particularly one area, but I mean, just in general, across ways that I've been thinking and ideas that I've had come across and uh, events in my life. So none of this is really esoteric or anything like that. It's just, I just feel this bubbling up of things. One of the things that I wanted to talk about, and if the thing about this episode, as any of them, actually, if I could ever encourage you to reach out to me following an episode, it would be one of these, these when I'm dumping like this, because I would love to hear from you. Um, the first um, mind dump is on the carnivore um, way of, of eating. And I have been um, someone who has struggled with weight. I am 
metabolically challenged, basically in the long and short of things. I'm not beating myself up. I have overdone on really crappy food and it has worn out a system and it created not only uh, fat, but a system that isn't sensitive in the way that it normally would be to insulin and what have you. And so um, I have a hard time when it comes to things like losing weight and um and putting weight on. That's a system that, you know, I created and I know that it's carbohydrate and sugars and glucose driven. I've, that's what I've lost sensitivity to is the insulin that helps distribute those and what have you not to get all scientific. But, um, so I've incorporated in my life and with, uh, great success. Um, and I'll explain that in a minute. Uh, intermittent fasting um, because of the fact that there is a lot uh, backing up the fact that it can help you become more insulin sensitive again. But part of my problem is, is that when I return, when I'm not fasting and I'm eating is finding the right combination um, for me. And I have been a keto eating person, but with some looseness, I think the whole counting your macros and stuff like that, um, probably is too much for me. The thing about my challenge with eating is that I'm pretty sure it's an addiction. I have a, a, a strong addiction, uh, trail in my family, and I know that some of that is, is chemically genetic and some of it is behavioral. Um, so to focus so much on the macros and being so aware of food sort of is not helping with that addiction, obsessive part of it. It's like the backside of that, you know, even though it's better than sort of obsessing over, um, you know, when, uh, I can get another Big Mac, but, uh, anyway, so I have been eating keto, I guess, but a friend, a couple, well, not even a couple years. Well, yeah, maybe close to a couple years ago, talked to me It was in looking in really good shape and spoke to me about what he was doing eating wise. And he was, um, only eating meat and I really quizzed, I go, so like meat and veggies, right? No, no veggies. What? No veggies, no veggies, no fruit, meat. And, I, you know, he broke it down a little bit, but I right away just didn't, I couldn't put my mind around it. And he didn't really explain in detail the situation or why no veggies and why no fruit. But that whole carnivore diet is an arm essentially of the keto way of living or thinking in that uh, we uh, back in time were hunters and gatherers and um, we humans ate meat. And to stay true to that and um, I guess meat, no pun intended, the requirements of a body that, you know, came from those lines that's loosely the theory i am so hacking this up if there is a carnivore expert out there but my brother just recently my brother mark just recently mentioned to me that um he was uh eating 
a carnivore diet. He was giving it a 30 day challenge. I don't know if he's carried on beyond that or not, but, uh, he was sort of explaining some of the people that he was listening to and what have you. And so, um, that's like, you know, two people. So I started investigating and and reading about it and it really is kind of a, a trip because it is no veggies. Now there are some, um, experts in it or the, or leaders in the field that will, um, entertain a, a handful of veggies. I think what it essentially comes down to in the deciding factor is the carbohydrate element. And then also there are lectins and other quote unquote toxin things in veggies. Really go Google it if you haven't ever heard of the carnivore diet, because it's like, what well, I have never heard of this stuff before. I mean, we are told so much growing up, right? Eat your veggies, eat your veggies. And now they're saying like, I think there was like someone even wrote, veggies are trying to kill us. And I had to laugh out loud at that. But I mean, but the information that was in, that was a great hook line, right? Uh, The information that was in the article was sharing about the toxicity of some veggies and that we don't really, and it's not not necessarily we're going to kill over, but that there is a toxic element that triggers other things in our bodies and contributes to a state, so they say, of us being unwell. Um, So it isn't just really about uh, losing weight. Some of the leaders in the field are these fit washboard stomach um, specimens and uh, this is just something that they have adopted to, um, to ensure that they remain that way, I guess. But, uh, it also for them, their doctors, um, that this helps with everything with disease and what have you. So I have sort of tipped my toe into that pool just to loosely experiment. I don't know that I'm motivated just yet, because I don't know how I feel about all the information, but I am just trying to eat a little bit the way that they suggest, meaning I I have to have the veggies. I mean, psychologically, I think I would feel like I was trapped into an elevator and I would get claustrophobic. But um, the doctor that um, I think his name is Dr. Paul Saladino, um, he suggests that you can have some lettuces. I think it's iceberg and romaine and cucumber and um, a couple of other veggies. And also he he is cool with some fruit like berries. And in that way, it didn't seem like it was that different from keto. But uh, I'm doing, I'm trying it. And I will say that I feel satisfied food wise. And I don't know that I have the cravings. I am still incorporating fasting with it. But the the, the deal is, is I just need to find something because the worst thing ever you could do is fast. Well, not the worst, but uh, is fast and even multiple day fast and achieve a lot uh, from that. And then just go really eat not so well or, or whatever after that. And I'm not, I haven't, you know, been one to do that per se too much, but you can eat too much and all of that. So finding a balance between the, um, the fasting and then what I would consume has sort of been on my mind. If there are any 
carnivore diet followers out there that have any thoughts, I will say this. It's in the negative check mark. It's that I sometimes feel like there's like a, a brick in my gut, like, um, heaviness, like, um, and it, it could be that my body is just not as used to processing the protein. I need to kind of read up on that, but, but not a gross feeling, but just like I can tell it's not a lightness. I mean, and just technically if you're eating salads and high water content food, um, that in and of itself, once the water's released is not probably not as heavy as, um, uh, like, uh, steak. So it could just be a literal weight thing that, that also I am sensing, but I don't know the verdicts out a little bit on that, but I sort of just wanted to dump that and see if that was anything that anyone that's listening might have to say to me. If there is anything you ever want to say to me in kindness only, or I won't read it. Um, send it to my, uh, website there. It's terrysummers.com forward slash podcast. And there is a place that you can uh, send information to me. And I would love, love to hear from you on this. Um, Now I'm going to, this is where the buckle up comes in because I'm going to pop over to another thought. So have you guys followed the minimalists? It's the two dudes that, you know, have this um, way of living and it, it really is um, anchored in some of their own personal experiences, but they, they, they put a challenge out there and you can, you know, get with a friend or a a couple friends or something like that and commit to this challenge, which is a month long challenge. So depending on whether or not you started in a month that had 30 days or 31 or 28 or whatever the other number is, um, It would mean that on the first day of the month, you removed one item, you minimized your um, things by one item, and that item needs to be out of your house by midnight. And then on the second day of the month, two, the third, the fourth, the fifth, the 20th, and so on. So by the time you're done, it's like 500 and some items, I think, or 490 something or somewhere in that that pocket of items. And I, um, I did it once with my friend Lisa and it was really kind of cool. Sometimes it got a little challenging, but there was enough around here and, and you can, you know, I mean, don't work the system, make it worth your while to get rid of things. But for instance, I just had, you know, a bunch of of extra towels or washcloths that had sort of seen their pass. And so literally you can, you know, get rid of things, donate things, whatever. And it goes towards this total. So I, um, I decided this time, so I did it um, a year ago, maybe, maybe two, I can't really recall. And, um, the, uh, the only thing I didn't like, I mean, it got out of my house, but it went to the garage were some clothes that I was still going to recycle and sell or whatever. Um, but other than that, everything left the house and I think we had a yard sale. And then if it didn't sell, then it got packed up and, and was donated. But this time as part of Lent, first of all, I grew up in a, um, Baptist 
American Baptist, Southern Baptist and American Baptist culture. And they never really uh, acknowledged some of the traditions that are in and around the Easter season, like Lent. Um, but in becoming familiar with them through working for a large Lutheran church and doing a lot of creative writing and directing and artistic things for them, um, <clears throat> I really came to love the whole idea of giving up uh, something and what that meant and um, the heart uh, trip that was taken during that time. So, um, I try to make it a practice in a very real way. Um, I know that sometimes it's, it can come off a little bit like a ritual and people do it and they just touch the bases, you know, meaning I, I, I gave up this for Lent or whatever. And I'm not judging that. I'm just knowing that it, it can happen. I have, uh, you know, people in my, uh, dad's side of the family. And I remember hearing a lot of that and it was, it was, uh, it, it came, it came off absent of more than the giving up of something. Um, but I should be careful not to come to conclusions. I don't really know. Anywho, that was a long departure. Um, I digress. So, I decided to incorporate this minimal minimizing challenge during Lent. And I had to make that trip out of town, as I mentioned to you. So um, I got, uh, I had to think ahead a little bit and minimize ahead. And then I also had to catch up when I got back. And so today I was uh, continuing to purge. I don't know what the total is after all is said and done, but it's up there because it went 30 days plus 10. Um, so, or will have gone plus 10. You know, I can't encourage you enough to take a look at what's around you and say, do I need this? I mean, it's like taking a moment of quiet in the middle of a really noisy season in your life. And there is something very freeing. I know I'm just sounding so um, textbook when it comes to a minimalist perspective. Yes, of course, it's freeing. But I mean, really, it was like a free, it, it is like a free feeling like I'm letting go of this. Uh, letting go, like letting go of a rope and a free fall, letting go um in, you know, a myriad of ways. And that I still, I'm like, I could go and do another one of these y'all and get rid of stuff. Um, I'm sure I could, I just, there's just been stuff that I've collected and some of it can definitely serve people. Now, to be fair, I have also walked around the house and pulled a bunch of ink pens that don't really work so well anymore. So those have gone into the number two or as well, but still, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it is just an effort. Those pens have been sitting around in a little dish on my desk for, I don't know when, and none of them work. They're as dry as a bone because we live in Arizona. So 
all of that goes into just letting stuff go, giving away to things and organizations and people that could benefit from them. If there's something really that, you know, you're not using and it has some value and you can sell it, then do that too. And maybe donate that money or, you know, whatever, or keep it for your needs. I kind of got a little weirded out about the clothes because I had had clothes that still had tags on them. And that sounds like what? Because I wear the same thing all the time. Pretty much like a uniform. Um, But, you know, I would see a deal or something and you think you're going to wear it or like it. But because it was just a few dollars, uh, you would get it. And so I so or I would get it. Um, All of that to say, I got a little weirded about all the clothes and I thought, well, I just, I need to go ahead and get them on Poshmark or something like that. But there's just something stirring me that says, no, there's lots of folks out there and probably some thicker girls that might need some clothes. And if I can make a contribution to them, then I think I'll do it. But all of that to say is being honest with yourself in the process of doing something like minimizing Um, is an exercise that I think carries over into other areas of your life. Like, do I need this X, Y, Z? Is it serving me? Why? Why not? And what am I holding on to it over and for? And I have, that's, you know what, actually, that's probably, maybe that's even more one of the motivating factors about why I wanted to do a mind dump, uh, a random thoughts, because I do think that those kinds of practices sort of settle in and they become part of us. And we start to see things through that same process and sieve of releasing items in your home to maybe release things in your head and release things in um, relationships and release things in your body and what you're eating. You know what I mean? It kind of feeds each other. Um, they feed, you know, different areas of your lives. I think, um, our lives, I don't know why I'm speaking in this, your bit, probably because I'm not wanting to take responsibility for things. I don't know. I'm an armchair psychiatrist today, psychologist. Um, anyway, I'm in a minimizing mode and I'm actually, um, feeling pretty good about it. I love the way it feels. But then that leads me to um, another mind dump, and that is van life. Let me just say, if there's any folks out there that have any history in minimizing your stuff and how minimal do you go and anything like that, again, I want to hear from you. I want to hear from you. But van life. Do you know what I'm talking about? I mean, it's like a thing. Like I get, I I have watched when we, you know, just want to um, chill out and and whatever. We'll watch some van life videos, and you know, all these folks that are, of course, everybody has a YouTube channel now, and but that they have chosen to live in their vans. Let me just say, I don't want to live in a van, though. As a side note, Clark Peel, if you are listening. Um, he's a friend of mine and he recreated the Chris Farley scene from, uh, Saturday night live, uh, living in a van down by the river. He did that once a handful of years ago, very talented young man. Now he's not so, so young, younger than me, but I laughed so hard. I couldn't, 
control what happened. What happened? I peed myself. I I laughed so hard that, you know, it, it I was like, I can't, there's, I'm going to wet my pants. Like, you know how they say, oh, I laugh so hard to wet my pants. I did. I wet my pants. And, um, you know, once you begin to wet your pants, it's over. Just wet them. I mean, all the bad things that you could think about wetting your pants, if you wet them a little bit, you've already sort of entered into the world of bad things of wetting your pants. So if you, uh, you know, it's not like a little bit of, of the bad world, all the things, I don't want to list them cause it's kind of gross, but everything, uh, from sensations to smells, uh, you've already done it. So just wet, go ahead. And, and I don't think that I consciously made that decision. He just was so funny when he, re uh invented that scene in his interpretation and i wet myself but again i digress wow i think i have a masters in digression yep yeah a doctorate actually dr dr terry what in digression mhm um back to van life so there are folks out there that get vans and modify them. And some of them are pretty dang cool. And they put some money into it and that becomes their home and they live on the road and they work from the van and they travel and they have minimal, um, you know, I want to say minimal expenses. I, you know, I, I, I am, uh, not necessarily interested in that. Per se, I am kind of a nester. I do like to have a home. Uh, I'm blessed to have one, um, actually, um, that I inherited. So I'm very grateful for that. But I am curious about van life and a little more curious of van life than I am of the carnivore diet. I think because I've always liked to create like spaces, even when I was little, like, like I, with pets that I had when I was little, I created a little space for them, a little comfort zone, a little home. Like here's where your food will be. And here's comfort over here in a bed and, or tents. You gotta, you gotta agree with me on making a tent. You know, when you pitch a tent in the living room that's draped over dining room chairs and your sofa and things like that, and you go inside, you set, you know, at least I guess I did, I set it up for, for living. Um, and you know, even, you know, bringing a little light in that's plugged in outside the tent. I mean, it, so whatever that is, that enchanting draw towards setting up a place there's something very interesting about setting up a place in a van. So how does that play a part in my thoughts today? Well, my uh, husband, who is a Ford guy, um, well, he's kind of like anything that has a motor, anything that goes vroom, he is super into um, from Harleys to um you know, like I said, to Fords. And he had a really cool truck. I loved it. It was, I called it the beast. Um, but it needed a ton of work and it was a gas sucker. And he 
uh, made a moment, had a moment, excuse me, um, uh, of minimalizing um, his life in that regard, um, in that regard, because he, he just didn't see um, the time or um, the means and the efficiency on some level, because I think it got like four miles to the gallon or something, maybe seven, maybe seven. All right. Um, so it's, was a rare truck, a Ford truck. I can, I think it was a 78 super cab F1, no F250 wasn't the 350, but it had some other things to it that made it unique. And there were only so many of them made. Anyway, he sold it to hopefully invest in another vehicle that he could do more with. And he also, like me, is curious about vehicle, not more than curious. He's into vehicles that you can sleep in and live in. Even if it's a station wagon, he always wants to know, can I sleep in it? Can I pop the seat down and sleep in it? And so we have, I have a Jeep um, that I have had for, well, actually before Jonathan and, uh, we, you can sleep in the Jeep and he barely fits though. Cause he's tall. Um, so the Jeep passes, right? It gets to stay in the family, but he, uh, I think it was a God thing. Cause it just, this van just kind of showed up. It was a Ford van and, um, he had this money to put into that and it got better gas mileage or gets better gas mileage. And it had already kind of been stripped inside except for the front seats. And anywho, we are going to, um, kind of make that place a little homey. But the reason it ties in to the, a little bit to the minimizing thing is that there are people that do that and they do it just to live more simply. And like I said, I still want to have a home. Um, but the idea of we have had, uh, a lot of travel in our lives. And when we've done that, we've done a lot of camping, but when you just kind of want to hit it and not have to pull over, um, and pay the expense of a hotel. Plus, you know, we have a barking dog that barks a lot at any kind of noises because she's protecting us. So when you're staying at the local La Quinta and there's other uh, noises and dogs around, you don't really get a lot of rest. So um, we are looking forward to doing some traveling where and I just feel so excited about this. It's that same feeling I had of pitching a tent in my living room. You know what I mean? The tent's not really a tent tent in your living room. And this isn't really a house house, but it's kind of a house in a vehicle. And we are, um, we're both creative people and we're both resourceful. So we're going to not, uh, put, uh, a lot of money in it, just make things happen from what we have around here and not have, uh, bear the expense of that, but be as creative as possible and making just a really cool living space inside the van. But, um, it made me think about, so I started looking at those that are van dwellers for ideas of what we might want to do in ours. And it really is, you know, we're just resourceful as people. And I, I can imagine that following COVID, this whole van dweller van life thing has just gone through the roof. Folks have lost their 
homes. And, and this is, these are tragedies. These aren't little whims about, oh, I'm going to get few of it, get rid of a few of some things in my house and I'm going to live lighter. This is like life leaned on me and I had to make some decisions. And so I'm going to live, um, live out of a van. I paused there for a second because what is the movie? Excellent movie. It won. Um, oh, shoot. I hate when that happens. Uh, darn it. Um, but it was about those that lived out of their vehicle and even in Quartzsite, Arizona. I've always wondered who would come out here. Well, the van dwellers do. The folks that don't want to be in cold weather in other parts of the country, they come and hang out in Quartzsite. Quartzsite. Um, and look at rocks. Uh, but they're living out of vans and not down by the river. Um, I'm just really interested in all of it. So, um, stay tuned because I will, um, probably have other episodes about our van situation. And, uh, it just felt like a really lovely shift in things. And it was already in the lane of, um, of travel and uh opportunity to to be out and about particularly in the summer here in Arizona because I just really fight the heat so I just wanted to share that with you so I've touched just about are you are you nauseous have you been whipped back and forth enough I uh the whole idea of the whole carnivore thing get back to me if you have anything to say um um, the minimalist lifestyle. Talk to me about that. And if you have any hints or pictures or anything about your van, if you happen to be a van person, even if you're not dwelling in it 24-7, uh, send them over my way. TerrySummers.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for that. I feel so much lighter. Kind of like a mind dump with joy. You know? Like I got rid of some things, but I really had a, an enjoyable time doing it. I love talking to y'all. Thanks for tuning in. We're knocking at the door of a hundred, a hundred, one hundred, a hundred. We're knocking at the door of a hundred episodes. A hundred. We're knocking at the door of 100 episodes. Thanks for sticking with me. Bye. <laughs>